Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me. Did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. For Hannah, she's had nine different surgeries. And when she was younger, she didn't really know what was going on. Like, she knew she was in the hospital, but she didn't know she was going for surgery and that kind of thing. Whereas this year, Hannah is very aware of what's happening. And like you were saying, Stuart, that's very hard to watch and, and see her struggle with that. And we have just tried to to help her rely on the Lord in her own little way. Because more than anything, we want to take it from her. We want to take the worry. We don't want her to be anxious. We don't want her to, to worry about it. We want her to learn that, you know, the Lord has this. God has it and he loves you and he wants to take care of you. And like we we told her often that we obviously have family and friends who are praying and church families. So we always said, like Hannah, you literally have an army of people who are praying for you. Um, and that always brought her comfort. Welcome to Testimony, an encouraging look at how God works in people's lives. Tonight, I'm very pleased to have Stuart and Nicola Smith, and we're going to share their story with you. How are you both doing? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, yeah. we're doing good. Yeah. Nervous? We bet. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody is, so that's nothing new. Let's start off by a very simple question. What was your home life like? What part did Christianity have, if any? I think probably both our upbringings are quite similar, but I'll speak for myself first. <laughs> I grew up in a Christian home, and by that I mean my parents were both Christians, and my three siblings had two brothers and a sister, all Christians and all attended church. And four grandparents live nearby as well who attended church. So I grew up really with the Christian influence, attended church from a very early age. I remember early on when I was really young that my mum would sort of make up puzzles for me while I was sitting in church and I would do these puzzles while sitting in church. So not really listening and taking a lot in. As you get older, you you don't realise, I guess, just how much you do take in. And I did take a lot in and I I had a good grounding in the Christian faith and I sort of knew a lot of the Bible, although probably on a kind of surface level. 
but then obviously I, as I got older I realized that I had to sort of make that decision for myself and had to make that faith my own and I did that I don't know when I don't know what age I was I don't have a date that I got saved that used to bother me I used to think oh I'm, I'm not like everyone else I don't have a date that I got saved but I guess the older I've got and the more I've sort of grown in my faith I realized it's just a daily growth that we ought to have and really the the date you get saved doesn't really matter as long as you pursue that and grow in your faith so yeah I guess that's my introduction to Christianity if you like yeah I was very much the same I was brought up in a Christian home with parents and grandparents and a sister and we just we always went to the meetings we didn't kind of have a lot of company so kind of as I got older I kind of went to to find that various places and I'm pretty sure there's weekends that we have probably been the same at Dan but yeah I mean that was my life growing up it was going to this Saturday night meeting or this conference and then you always got to go to someone's house after we always joked that we were going for the pizza at whoever's house but during those times we got really good solid teaching at all these conferences and Saturday night meetings and I mean there's some friends that I'm still friendly with now that I've met then church was so important and again like Stuart as I got older realized the importance of it and my, my faith just grew and I was saved and baptized and in fellowship at Irvine. I don't think I was quite as outgoing. I, 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 <laughs> no. didn't, I didn't go out to attend <laughs> services, so I was a bit more reserved. You're a hermit. <laughs> <laughs> we tend to go for the fellowship and stay for the Bible teaching. <laughs> <laughs> but Christians do hospitality well, I find. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's not even just the kind of <laughs> the food and stuff like that it, wherever we ended up we were there's always singing like mum and dad's house growing up whenever the praise night ended or roof diggers or christmas or whatever it was we always went back to mum and dad's and we were singing and we we're having food and and it was some of the best some of the best times of my life honestly um it was a great fun so what sort of age were you saved and then what what sort of age were you baptized I think I was about five or six when I was saved. I remember it was in January and I'm sure it was round about, I can't remember like the date or year or anything like that. And then I was baptised when I was 14, 15 or 14, and then received into fellowship at Irvine the Sunday after. So what you're saying is neither of you can remember the day and the time and the location where you were saved. We're going to have to end this interview. <laughs> cancel oh, well. it, it was fun Dan it was fun <laughs> yeah thanks anyway you see like power down <laughs> sorry Stuart were you about to say something serious there <laughs> not really no no very, very similar to Nicola actually I had quite a gap between I sort of first professed faith at a very early age um, probably six or so and then I, I wasn't baptised till around about 14 or 15 as well and I just remember sort of being challenged on that I think it was attending either a youth camp or a church youth event and just speaking to my elders about it and and I remember um, at the time that they, they had a few chats with me about it just to you know make sure I knew what I was doing and what I was 
deciding to do this in a public way. And I mean, I'm not a very public person, but I know they I knew the importance of baptism and just was eager to do it. And so I, I can remember my baptism now very clearly. Peter Brandon was the speaker. He's now in the glory of this. And I remember a lot of young people from a youth camp that I went to attended as well. So yeah, I remember that well, probably more than the date that I was saved. But anyway. <laughs> probably because there wasn't loads of people there at the moment you when you were saved. That's right, yeah. <laughs> Unless you did some massive public confession. <laughs> Why is it, do you think, that we tend to have such large gaps between Christians being saved, particularly when they're saved young, like I was seven, so similar age, and then baptised at 14, so a very similar story to yourselves. Why do you think we allow such a big gap? Yeah, there's probably there's probably a number of reasons. I think I think probably wisely sort of older Christians like to sort of ensure that you know young people know what they're doing when they make these decisions. And I think that's that's wise to do because it's easy just to make a decision flippantly and quickly. But yeah, I I think everyone's different. I think and it just takes time, I guess, for us to come to realization that yeah this is what God teaches and that this is what the Bible commands us to do and then obviously we obey that joyfully or, or ought to be joyfully um, and yeah I think it does just take time and, and and obviously making sure it's the right decision. We tend to link baptism and fellowship together. Mm. Yeah. Scripturally it would well probably all three relatively quick but the Bible seems to be salvation and baptism within three days at the most. Yeah. I think we've all proved there's been a few years in between our... <laughs> yeah. So moving forward, you've got two two Christians in, I assume you were both in the west side of Scotland, close by to each other? Yeah. yeah. I was an orphan. And I was Colburnie, which really is known for the road to Largs, but uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was brought up and lived in Colburnie all my life until we moved. Well, and I moved to Kilburnie. Yeah. <laughs> I have driven to Kilburnie, so that stands a test that. Yeah, so. <laughs> it has a Tesco. That's, that's impressive. Oh, so you have some way to stop for a drink on the way through. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you two ultimately meet and eventually marry? I was invited to Irvine Assembly, Irvine Gospel Hall, to speak, to preach the gospel at the Sunday night service. Although Nicola and I had known each other before then, we had sort of run into each other at various services and events and things like that. Although we were in different churches, we knew of each other. But I think that was sort of the beginning of our romance, if you like. (laughs) So cheesy. (laughs) Yeah, I I think I remember that after I had spoken that night, I think you had to rush off or something like I that. Did. And you, you apologised to me at the door as you left. I couldn't stay in chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think your line was, can I make you laugh over a cup of coffee? <laughs> I, think, I think we can edit that line. Out. <laughs> I don't want everyone knowing how smooth I was at the time. <laughs> the, the, the real question is, did it work? Well... Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the evidence is here, I guess. <laughs> I think it was it was March 2011 we got engaged. And then we married in August 2012. 
2nd of August 2012. So it'll be 10 years next year, God willing. So you get married in 2012. Yeah. And then within a few short years, Hannah is born. Yeah, Hannah was born in April of 2014. Okay. And then Esther was born in December of 2015. And then we've stopped there. We just have Hannah and Esther. <laughs> <laughs> How did you find the initial stages of parenthood? Because I say this again as a single guy with no children, it must be quite a step into the unknown. I don't really remember much. I remember the lack of sleep. That was probably one of the biggest things because Hannah especially just was not a sleeper. Like She was five before she properly <laughs> slept through the night. Wow. But yeah, like as for parenting, it, it, it was, yeah, the, the tiredness was a shock, but I don't remember kind of much. I don't know about you. Like you need your sleep, so you're <laughs> a degree worse than me. <laughs> And I think it's one of these things that you can't really prepare for. I think I think you can prepare to a certain extent. You can talk to people about it and gain experience from them. But really, you learn as you go and you learn, well, you either learn or you don't. <laughs> when you get married, you sort of learn lessons in marriage. But you, you learn, I don't want to say more, but you learn lessons in, in, in parenthood as well. And it's just... It's a challenge. It's a challenge because obviously as Christians, we we want to bring up our children in a way that honours God and that, that glorifies him. And you've really got to continually just set aside and battle your own sinful nature and your own sins because we react sinfully as parents towards our children. Like we are, well, I'll speak for myself, I'm impatient and short-tempered and etc etc and and you've got to you've got to learn to to put that sinful nature aside and do things in a godly way and you know the bible is clear it, it teaches us how we ought to be towards our children we ought to bring them up in that in, in that way and obviously do so in a, a way that honors god and and to do that you've got to consciously decide not to react in a sinful way and, mm -hmm. and try and honor god in each situation and I, and i mean i'm not saying that it's a constant battle i, I think it's a, i think it's a joy to be a parent you know i i, I love being a dad to, to hannah and esther it's, i'm not saying it's a constant battle it's <laughs> not <laughs> it's something i'm thankful to god for that that he's blessed us with with these children because it really is a joy and it's not something that we would change for a minute no absolutely not I mean there there's so often I can see my sinful nature coming out in the girls and like when I see it it's like oh ouch but kids are sponges they, they take in everything and I guess we just have to be so aware and so on guard like what we're teaching them what we're putting at putting out how we respond to they're soaking all that up and like Stuart was saying it's an absolute joy to be a parent I mean it really is it's, it's an absolute privilege but it is hard and it's it's quite a responsibility because we just more than anything we just pray that our girls will grow up to know and love the saviour and, and serve him that's ultimately what we want for them and 
we need to, well, we're always praying for them and we both have <laughs> families who are praying for them and church families and friends, which is, which is so important as well. Is it fair to say that children are a tangible conscience? <laughs> All your bad things are brought to light and re you're reminded of them and they're repeated. I think that would be fair to say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you've, you've got an opportunity there to sort of correct these things in your children, which is hard to do in ourselves. But yeah, no, I, absolutely. But like one thing I kind of find that whenever I probably react the way I shouldn't or maybe say something I shouldn't to them is to apologize for it because yeah. it's so important for them to see that we make mistakes and we fail as well and that we can go to them and say look mommy's really sorry for absolutely losing it for the fifth time today <laughs> and show them that we are sorry and that they can like it is okay to make yeah. mistakes but ultimately that we are honoring the Lord and your parenting that's our goal it's not to do with us or to do with them we should be honoring the Lord um, and it's just trying to show them that in ways that they'll kind of understand as well and yeah. if all else fails you can just use the line do as I say don't do as I do <laughs> which I heard most days <laughs> I remember hearing that when I was younger <laughs> the story is going to take a bit of a twist and I don't know the timeline myself but Perhaps you could explain how the diagnosis came around to the girls and the situation behind, because the story that we're telling is going to be a, one that affects the girls and ultimately yourselves because of your other parents. But perhaps you could take up how that, that situation came about. Yeah, so when when I was born with um, bilateral congenital cataracts, now what that is, the lens of the eye is clouded, so I, I couldn't see but mum and dad didn't like they didn't know that they all they could they could notice was that I wouldn't focus on anything unless a light was turned on and I would always turn to the light and my mum went to the doctors with me and I think she was told that she was just being a neurotic mother and she was fine and my papa was actually at like a a church meeting I can't remember what it was and um, someone from his church a lady called Jean Clark she's an orthoptist and she had just asked oh how's how's the new granddaughter and my papa just broke down and kind of told her like what was kind of happening they felt that there was something not right um, so she then got in touch the next day got in touch with someone and I think that was like a Thursday or something like that. And by the Friday I was in at Ross Hall and by the Sunday I was having surgery to remove wow. the lens from each of my eyes. And then I had contact lenses and that was really it for me. I obviously had kind of constant appointments and like we had lenses in and out, but I've had contact since I was three. So I was three months old then. Um, and we were told that it was genetic so it was always in the back of my mind that if I had kids then there was a chance that they would get this as well so when we had Hannah well when we had both the girls um it was kind of in my notes that <clears throat> this was something that we needed to look for and I think it was the early hours of the morning so Hannah was born at night time so it was the early hours of that morning uh, a pediatric surgeon came down and had said that yeah it looked as if Hannah had the same. You know, from such an early stage. 
Yeah, just by looking in the eye, I can't, they can just see that it's clouded and that, I think it's the rain, I don't actually know all the technical terms and whatever, but there was no kind of light getting in, so uh, my brain didn't know that I could see it. And obviously when you're born, you can't really see anyway, but obviously I couldn't see because of, and neither could Hannah or Esther. So I think she was three days old when we went, when we had an appointment at Cross House, which was there where she was born. And Jean got involved again. So like to what, 20 odd years later, she was back receiving her calls and she got us in touch with Dr. Gonzalez, who was a surgeon at the Children's Hospital in Glasgow. And we saw him within two weeks. And then the next week, Hannah had her surgery. Um, Hannah's cataracts in her eye, they were very dense. I didn't find this out till a couple of years later, but on the Thursday of her first surgery, they ended up having to stop because they just couldn't get the cataracts out. It was a lot more complicated than they had anticipated. And apparently that night there was a number of doctors around a table going, what are we going to do? However, they got it out and Hannah had contact lenses. The contact lenses didn't really work for Hannah. She was always rubbing them out and she wouldn't keep them in. So when she was two, she had an implant. So that's the lens that was removed that had cataracts. She now had an implanted lens. So she had that in both eyes when she was about two and a half. Two questions. Firstly, having experienced it yourself, do you think it softened the blow? And second question, as new parents, with all of the natural worries and concerns that come about, how did you feel starting to hear all that you'd have to go with Hannah? I wouldn't say it softened the blow. I think we were in a position that mum and dad had been through it and they were totally alone. Like they didn't know anyone that had experienced that, had been through that with their child. But we had mum and dad who had been through it, but then like mum and dad were having to go through it again with their granddaughter. So I wouldn't say it softened the blow. I don't really remember. A lot of it was adrenaline. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say, I guess, but the bottom line is we were going through it and we didn't have a choice in the matter, so we had to cope in some way. And I think we didn't always appreciate it at the time, but looking back, we can see that the Lord really brought us through when we couldn't really see how we were going to get through. And I think that's... It, it sounds a bit flippant to say, but like... It, we really couldn't do anything else about it. We had to go through it. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to really say how, but the Lord brought us through it is really the, the bottom line, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think for lots of people's stories, it's only when you look back that you can appreciate it. When, when you're in the middle of it, you don't quite grasp what the Lord's doing. And that's, that's the whole benefit of hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So sorry, when Hannah was two and a half, uh, you, were, you were saying she'd had this operation to put the lenses, these new lenses in? Yeah, so that was when she was two and a half. And by this point, Esther had already been born. When Esther was born, she had the same. But Esther's wasn't as bad as Hannah's. Her cataracts weren't as dense. It was different with Esther. She was 10 weeks before she had her surgeries. Whereas Hannah was three weeks, she needed to go in and get it done. Whereas Esther had that wee bit longer. And Esther has had contact lenses 
since and she's not really had many more issues yes the lenses we went through the period of it was a nightmare you would come out of the the room at the, at the hospital and they would just look at you like what has just went on in that room trying to get the lenses in and out it was a nightmare but we always they always got through it whereas now Esther her vision's pretty good yes she has contact lenses but she hasn't had kind of anything else whereas Hannah's slightly different in that the lenses didn't work for her so she had the, the implant and Hannah also developed glaucoma and I guess where we are now with our pressure so glaucoma is when the pressure in your eye kind of increases it should be between 12 and 15 but Hannah's slowly just kind of has crept up and crept up so she's had to have surgeries for that as well um, and her most recent it was in May, so she had one in January, which didn't really work. And then she had one in May, which seems to have kind of brought it down. But there's a whole host that's going on in the middle of that as well. I don't know if you want to share any of it, rather than me talk all the time. <laughs> I, can, I think just back and forth to, to, to the hostel, certainly, as Nicola said, more with, more with Hannah, as her, as her pressure and her eye just climbed, try, trying to understand what was going on. And, and even the doctors and surgeons, you know, were trying to, to understand what was going on. And eventually we kind of came to the decision that she had was suffering from glaucoma in, in her eyes, which, as we understand it, is, is not curable. It's just manageable in a way that like you just... So she has eye drops that she has to take in both eyes like three times a day you know Hannah has coped amazingly with that better than I think we do as adults you know she I think as children you know you don't really know any difference so she's just coped I mean there's been times she struggled with it don't get me wrong but she has adapted and really copes with it well and Esther with her lenses she also copes well she doesn't she doesn't have the eye drops to deal with I mean they both do really well and then from from our point of view I guess looking on one of the one of the most difficult things is just the feeling of feeling so helpless like we can't influence this in any way and more than anything we wish we could we wish there was something we could do either yeah. to take it ourselves or just to find a cure some way, but that's not how it works. And and really that forces you to, to react in, I guess, one of two ways. There might be more ways, but you either worry and panic or else you just trust God. And as, as Christians, that's what we are told to do. We've done both. <laughs> we've given in to worry and panic and we've, caused no end of heartache really and pain for, for us as parents looking on but we've also learned gradually and probably not as much as we should but we have learned to trust we've learned that that God is sovereign over this that God has allowed this to happen for a reason and God has a purpose behind it and you know when Think, as you touched on earlier Dan when you're in the middle of it you don't you don't see that 
we're in the middle, we don't see the end. And yeah, it's hard, it's hard to trust, but I think certainly this past year, we have certainly, I think, known God in a deeper way in the midst of this suffering and difficult circumstances whether we've been more conscious and actually praying and waiting on God. And, and also, I, I just think that we have learned to, to rely on him more. It's difficult. And, and even now, like, we, we don't know what the end's going to be. Like, we can't see the end. We don't know whether, whether Hannah's sight is going to get worse or we don't know whether Esther is going to, I don't know, not be able to cope with lenses and have to go for further surgery. We don't know and we, we can't see that ahead of us, but we know a certainty that God knows and that God has that all in his plan and his, in his control. And that doesn't mean that there's not going to be days in the future that we struggle because there probably will be because, you know, we're, we're still sinners and we still... Uh, fail at times but when, when you look at God's words and when you pray honestly to God you, you can't really argue that, that, that he doesn't know what he's doing that he doesn't have a plan because he does and, and we've just got to rest in that and got to um, trust in that even in the midst of it Do you ever find that there's any level of resentment or anger that, you know, why why do our family go through it? Why are our children going through this? Or are, are you able just to leave those thoughts alone? I think there's there's definitely a mixture of both there. I mean, for for Hannah, she's had nine different surgeries and nine times under anaesthetic. And when she was younger, she didn't really know what was going on. Like she knew she was in the hospital, but she didn't know she was going for surgery and that kind of thing. Whereas this year, Hannah is very aware of what's happening. And like you were saying, Stuart, that's very hard to, to, to watch and, and see her struggle with that. And we have just tried to, to help her rely on the Lord in her own little way because more than anything we want to take it from her we want to take the worry we don't want her to be anxious we don't want her to to worry about it we want her to learn that you know the Lord has this God has it and he loves you and he wants to take care of you and like we we told her often that we obviously have family and friends who are praying and church families so we always said like Hannah you literally have an army of people who are praying for you and that always brought her comfort that oh yeah oh that people people are praying um, and, and, and I think one of the the great things about being part of obviously having Christian family and being part of a church one of the great things is that they tell Hannah that they are praying for her as well. And, you know, it's not just as saying, like, you've got all these people praying, but they themselves say, look, Hannah, we're praying for you. And one of the things we did was, well, we were on Zoom, obviously, and 
we had our prayer meeting on Zoom and we let Hannah stay up. Normally they're in bed for the meeting at night, but we let her stay up this one night for the prayer meeting because I think this was the one before the night before the night before she was going for surgery and they were they were going to announce that at the church and they were going to pray for her and, and we let Hannah join on the Zoom meeting that night. And really I think that was just a, a great encouragement even for her at, at that age just to see that you know, all these people are, are you know, care about her and, and are praying for her. Mm-hmm. And for us as well, that was just really yeah, special. Like our, our church family is literally another family. And I mean, we are so blessed at Townhead with everyone there who love our girls like we love our girls. So yeah, it's <clears throat> been good. I think when you were asking about you know, do we question God? Speaking for myself, I do. I, I do ask those questions of God. And what, what I can see is that if you look at the Psalms, like the, the Psalmists, quite often, it's almost as if they're accusing God of, you know, why would you let these things happen to me? But I think the key thing there is that you don't leave it there, that you don't leave it that we are accusing God. The psalmist would ask these questions of God, but then I think in every single one of those situations that they would come round to say, look, you're faithful and blessed be your name because, you know, you are sovereign and you are in control of this. So I think it's my understanding from God's word that it's not wrong to ask these things of God, but as long as we don't neglect our faith, as long as we don't accuse God of wrongdoing in effect, because we know that God never does wrong and we know that God never allows things to happen for evil purposes or or for wrong, that he is always good and he is always glorious in, in all that he does. And so I think that, yeah, I think we, we've we've asked those questions of God, but we've never, I think it's fair to say that we haven't wavered in our faith. We've never wondered why or thought that God is wrong in what he's doing. In a number of the episodes, one thing that's come out is that it's a human trait to think, why me, Christian or not, you know, we expect certain things in our lives you know we expect milestones we expect events and sometimes they don't happen or they don't happen the way we, we would expect and we do ask god well why but i think it's important as you say to come back to the conclusion that he's sovereign and he's all-knowing and he's our heavenly father and he wants good things and he's able to give us good things and so one of the things i kind of learned during lockdown on some bad days was that he has me where he wants me because he has the power and the wisdom and the ability to change it. And so we just have to trust that he, he knows what he's doing. But yeah. It's easier, does it? Yeah, absolutely. We're blessed with a lot of people around us who are very wise and very good at giving counsel. And I think one thing that has stood out for me is that, is that we were given this piece of advice and that is that, that God has blessed us with these children but really these children 
I don't know how you would put it, but they don't belong to us, if you know what I mean. They belong to God. God has God has blessed us with these children to take care of, but really the best thing that we can do as parents, as Christian parents, is pray that we honour God and how we bring up these children and really an effect is just give them back to the Lord because we as much as we want to we can't care for them in the same way that God can we we cannot be all that these children need only God can and I think it's one thing that we're still learning Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that God has the best plan and intention for for these girls of ours (laughs) and and can do more than we could ever do and I think that's something that we are still learning we've not quite got there yet but we're still working on that that give them over to God even in how we pray for them pray that that God would take them God would use them and that they would be women of God in this world do you think that the experience has help the girls to develop a faith in God in a way that they wouldn't have if they hadn't gone through the experiences? I think so. I definitely think so. That it's, <clears throat> they, well, they know kind of from what you've told them that only God can help. Obviously, we're there to pray for them. We're there to be with them, to give them a hug. But ultimately, God has them in the palm of his hand. He has their wee lives all planned out. Kind of would say, oh, why do I have to have drops? I mean, on the whole, she's well, but there are times where she does question it, and we can turn around and say, look, we don't know, but this is this is where you are. This is what God has for you, so we need to trust Him with that. And our most recent appointment last week, her pressure has has stabilized, and in the car and the way home, she was like, oh, we should just thank God for this. I was like, absolutely like you go for it take it away Hannah and she did and it's just so those little small kind of victories we we just need to go back and give thanks like for them so it's definitely helped them both I mean Hannah has been through a lot more than than Esther has but yeah it's just getting them to trust that this is what God has for them why (laughs) but we know that, that he's got them and we just have to to trust that, I don't know, it is this with her eyes, is that what's going to make her stronger in her faith? I, we, we, don't, we don't know. I wish I'd learned the lesson of gratitude at her age. So what about yourselves? As each treatment's coming around, as each appointment's coming around, how do you rest with the faith that you can trust God this time and for the next time and the next time? What, what help have you had or what, what verses have come about that have given you the encouragement? I think really the key thing that we've learned is that it's just a, a, a daily strength that we need to come for. You know, we, there's, there's no point praying for, well, I'm not saying there's no point, but the, the key thing is to pray for strength for that day. Tomorrow will care for itself and the next month and the next year and the years ahead like absolutely we can pray for them but for as for strength like god gives strength for that day and and when it comes to appointments you know we we pray we pray ourselves we pray with the girls we 
encourage them to pray as well. And I think just making that conscious decision that, you know, we, we need to do this. And I think one verse, well, two verses that I think certainly more recently has, has really spoken to me. And, and really, when you think about what they say, it's, it's mind-blowing, really, what they say. It's Paul in, in Philippians chapter 4, and he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And, you know, that might sound very very basic in terms of what the Christian faith is all about, but it's really, really difficult to do. It's, it's one of these things that I don't think come naturally to any of us, but, you know, it says don't be anxious about anything. It doesn't say, you know, there are some things that you can be anxious about, but don't be anxious about anything, no matter how big, no matter how small. We're not given reason to be anxious about anything, but we're to pray to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. <laughs> so it's not natural and it doesn't really make sense to our sort of worldly minds. But when you think about it in the spirit and when you think about it from God's point of view, you know, his, his care for us and his, his plans for us and his peace it surpasses all understanding. And that's something that that we just try and take hold of every day and just, you know, come back to every day because, yeah, it's not natural for us to do that. Certainly been a, an encouragement and a strength for us. Yeah, I've been doing a study in First Peter in the past couple of months with one of my friends and First Peter chapter one, kind of verse six, it, it's concerning, in this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honour, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen me, you love me. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And yeah, it's really hard to rejoice <laughs> in trials. And like this year, especially with Hannah and with other stuff that we've gone through, you just think, oh, how can I rejoice in that? But there's, there, there is that inexpressible joy that if you can do that in the midst of the suffering that you can give it to God and you can go, do you know what? Hey, thank you. Like, give us strength. There is a joy that is just uh, amazing. And yeah, you don't want to go through the hard stuff. You, you don't want to feel helpless. You don't want to, so many things, but we know that, that God has us and that we need to give him the, the glory. And I know we've kind of both said that this year, with Hannah, we, I would say, are a teensy tiny bit wiser than previous surgeries in that we know that God is in control of it. We've seen God at work 
this year and you know we can't doubt them we do but we shouldn't and yeah I've still got so much to learn <laughs> like, so much to learn but it's it's amazing to just see how God has been faithful and like Stuart said we don't know what the outcome is for Hannah we don't know whether she'll still have her sight in 10 years time but can't go there we need to just ask the Lord for strength for today and not worry about the future because well it's in his hands interestingly before the podcast I was just reading as a verse came to mind and I don't know if you'd actually say about Fit Brown, but it's actually the verses you've just read. Wow. <laughs> I screenshot it because those verses were on my heart and I thought, how can I bring those verses up in the interview and, and then express them or apply them to you? And then you just went and said them. <laughs> there we go. We don't believe in coincidences, do we? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's far more natural coming from you, Nicola, than me just to, like putting it in. <laughs> In order to be practical, if there's somebody listening who, you know, they have children and they're at the stage of a diagnosis being given, not necessarily similar thing, but, but they've got children who are going to go through a difficult period. What advice would you give to those parents from your experience? Turn to your support network and just share with them <laughs> your your worries your fears whatever it is and and just ask them to, to to pray because like we said at the beginning I don't know how we got through what we did but I do <laughs> it was the prayers of the the army that of prayer warriors and yeah, just give it to the Lord find people who are kind of can maybe understand it because and I don't want to sound that this to sound horrible or, or mean, but there's some people who, who won't really kind of understand what you're going through at, at all. But if you can find someone who does, like it's you're like, oh, you know, you know what I'm feeling type of thing. And well, we're here if anyone ever wants to chat or learn from our mistakes. <laughs> I think one one thing I would say is that, and I've learned this, I think even more recently as well, but is to to be completely honest and open with God. You know, if if you do have a faith, if if you don't, then obviously that's a different road you go down, and and you can talk about that. But if you have a faith in in God, and if you're a believer, then speak to God openly and honestly and tell God what you're thinking. God already knows. God mm -hmm. God can see everything. He knows our heart. And sometimes with speaking to people, we can be a bit guarded and we can try and put on a brave face and we can try and play down our struggles. But with God, he already knows. So be completely honest with him and be transparent with God and and allow him to speak to your heart pray with an open bible I would say as well and just allow him to speak to you through his word because yeah we've been through a lot and we've experienced a lot and we try and learn lessons from our experience but if we can learn lessons from God's word and from him speaking to us then 
all the better. And we've got to allow him to do that. And we've got to allow him to, first of all, we've got to speak to him honestly. And then we've got to allow him to speak to us through his word. And, and yeah, like Nicholas said, just get you know, a lot of people around about you who can support you and help you. And I mean, resources like this podcast is great because we can learn so much from these as well. What about for those who are wanting to reach out to friends who are going through it? Are there any do's or don'ts from your perspective, you know, things that people said or did that weren't helpful or things that, you know, somebody did so you thought, wow, I would never have thought of that, but it's really been a comfort or a help or an encouragement. Well, I would say like bring snacks and stuff like that to the hospital. However, living in this COVID-19 world, I don't know how possible that is now. Like coming to see you, coming to like to visit. I, I think sometimes when someone's come out of the hospital or whatever, you're kind of reluctant, you're like, oh, give them space. But it was always good for, for someone to come in and just and just be there, someone to to, to talk to. As for don'ts, I don't know if there was, I don't know if anyone did anything really bad. (laughs) (laughs) I always think that there must be somebody who says the wrong thing. Like, it's generally me that puts my foot in it. People can say the wrong thing with a good intention, but just off the mark. (laughs) We we had this guy who asked us to take part in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) What an idiot. That's a joke. That's a joke. (laughs) One thing, yeah, I, I agree with what Nicholas saying. And one other thing that we found really, really encouraging is that a few people who have approached us and just let us know that they're praying for us and they're praying yeah. for the girls. And that's been really precious to us because I think, as, as we've already said, we know we have people praying for us and we really appreciate that. But to have people say that to us, and 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 quite and more often than not, it's been at times that we've been struggling and that we've been maybe you know feeling a bit down and and struggling with things. But to have someone just approach us and say like we've been praying for Hannah, mm-hmm. we've been praying for Esther, we've been praying for you guys. That's just been a real encouragement to us. Yeah. So so yeah, if you are praying for someone, then just tell them. Yeah. <laughs> Whether that's face to face or a card or a text. Mm whatever form it is it's definitely an encouragement well I mean Hannah like she always was so encouraged one of the girls from your church Sophie actually organized for a lot of the girls to send a wee video for Hannah which she watched in the hospital and it was just these women or girls from our fellowship for older than Hannah who were just saying we're praying for you like you're going to be and like even still she'll watch that and that was just such a lovely touch yeah I can imagine for a little girl you know all the people who she probably looks up to and admires and respects to be thinking of her and praying for her that means a lot yeah after her surgery she bounced back so quickly from her first one she drew a card the next day and it on the front of it was like God is faithful and and inside I can't remember the the words that she said but it was just thanking our church family for praying for her and that she knew God was with her or something like that and we went and delivered it to to Jim's door and he like read it out the next day 
and like that like it was just she was just so excited to to say oh look I'm 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 through I'm good she was she didn't bounce back as much in me but <laughs> yeah just little things like that now the two of you have shared verses are they the verses that you would usually at the end as you know I ask for relevant verses are they the ones that have meant the most during this particular period of time there's been so many so many but one for me personally just over the years is Psalm 46 verse 10 and it's be still and know that I am God we're actually in Sunday school we're learning Psalm 46 and I've just cracked all 11 verses <laughs> I feel as if I should get a pat in the back <laughs> um but yeah be still and know that I am God like that's literally all that that we can do sometimes is just to wait and know do you know what yeah <clears throat> you've got it Lord help me to just wait in this rest in this I think just in general a lot of the Psalms are really really um powerful it's you know at certain moments in our lives and I think just now I'm really encouraged by some of the Psalms and, and just how how raw they are, how open they are, and how you know the psalmists can always seem to come back to their trust in the Lord and how good he is and, and how faithful he is. Well, thank you very much for being on Testly Podcast. Thank you so much for having us, Dan. Pleasure. Thank you. Good to chat to you as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bye for now. Right, See you care. later. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Testimony. If you have any suggestions as to who would make a good interview, then please get in touch at testimonypodcast at outlook.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 